Every president needs to be tall. Why is that? Because presidents have to ride a horse. They do? Yeah. Hey, yum's the word, haven't you heard? The yum's the word, it was started by a bird. My name is Robin. And her hair has lots of curls. Actually, I blow it out a lot. Two stories, some awkward. Like wedding the bed next to your boyfriend. Pretty funny and absurd. Like your boss tickling your side boob. So welcome all you nerds. And cool people too. This is for everyone, except kids. Yum's the word. Hey there, welcome to Yum's the Word. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, creator and host of the show. At the top, you heard my six-year-old niece Morgan, who apparently thinks Rand Paul has no shot at the White House. But the storytellers on today's podcasts are tall enough to run. Just not sure about their equestrian skills. First up is a guy who's been on the scene for years. He's very understated, always a riot, and this story is no different. Here's Steve Zimmer, live at Yum's the Word. So, uh, December 20th, 1984. It's uh, my first year of grad school, and I'm making the long drive from uh, Boston to the Midwest uh, for the holidays. And I'm, I'm very uncomfortable because the, you know, car heater's blasting my fa- my face and my feet are freezing. And also I have a headache because, um, uh, it's, it, it's dark out and the overhead light is on so that my, my, uh, selfish girlfriend, Sarah can read her novel. Also contributing to my headache is uh, the radio, which I'm playing loud to get back at Sarah. Sarah is beautiful and cold. Um, The um, half the guys in, in, in the grad dorm pursued her aggressively, whereas I stuck to my standard courtship strategy, the slow method with no results. But this one time, there, there actually were. And now, um, uh, now Sarah was not as, didn't adjust as well to grad school life as I did. So even though we were in different fields, I spent a lot of time um, um, helping her out, you know, uh, chasing down research documents for her, giving her pep talks, and proofreading her papers. And it, 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 it pays off. Uh, by mid-semester, she's at the top of her program, and I'm flunking out. Um, that, that doesn't bother Sarah, which bothers me, but it's okay because I love her. (laughs) I remember the exact moment when I stopped loving her. It's, it had been five weeks earlier. I, um, had gone, you know, I was picking her up at, at the tea stop and I'd been waiting for her for an hour and I, I realized she wouldn't, would not do that for me in a million years. She was a, a user and I put up with it because of her beauty. So I was just a different kind of user, and in a way we deserved each other. <laughs> At this point, uh, Sarah finally shows up um, wearing a new coat, uh, a bright blue camel hair with enormous shoulders. And just as I'm pondering of pondering which of us is the more awful person, uh, she says, how do you like it? And I'm like, it's nice. 
And now five weeks later, we're driving to uh, her parents' house in Columbus, Ohio. And I wonder if she's told them what she's told me, that uh, she thinks she's pregnant. Uh, Sarah's pro-choice, except just not this time. And so I said, you know, I, I said that I, you know, I would get married if, if it came to that. And Sarah was like, thanks. And, and so, so driving, you know, New, upstate New York is just, you know, six hours of sleet. And, um, and I have to drive the whole way because, you know, Sarah's novel is surprisingly compelling. And um, so at some point, I just, you know, switch off the overhead light. Uh, Sarah waits 20 minutes, and then she uh, turns on the light and turns off the radio. So I then wait 18 minutes before switching off the light and switching on the radio. Sarah then waits 15 minutes before reversing my actions. I then wait just 10 minutes before undoing her actions. And we keep, and each step, we give the other one a little less than they'd just given us un until there's, there's nothing left. And we're both just going. <laughs> and Sarah finally says, sits back and says, listen, don't blame me uh, for your failure in school. And so I'm just like, I'm just like, <laughs> At least I have common sense. I'll bet if I dropped you off five miles from your house, you, you, you couldn't figure out how to get home. They would find you dead in the snow in that stupid coat. <laughs> After that, the light stays on. And illuminating the interior of the car as we um, glide through the dark Pennsylvania hills like a rolling diorama of my parents' marriage. <laughs> and we... We finally get to, uh, we, we reach Columbus uh, just before midnight. And Sarah's parents are nice, but they don't seem to know anything about me or that I, I, we might be related. And, um, and so Sarah obviously didn't tell them about me, and she was clearly planning on dumping me. And, but I'm not mad. In, in, it, in fact, just the opposite. I realize she feels as trapped as I do. And so we've got that going for us. Um, so the parents give me, let me sleep in um, this, uh, this bedroom in this wing that they'd been, uh, this addition they'd been putting on for the grandmother. Um, but the project had lost momentum after she died. And so it was only, it was only partly heated, um, but they had a lot of blankets. And so, you know, I go in my room, and before getting ready for bed, I just kind of, you know, lie down on the, you know, on top of the bed, you know, just to rest my eyes. It's one of the five key habits of highly ineffective people. <laughs> and and um, I wake up four hours later in a dead body. Uh, I wonder if I've had a stroke. I can barely move. I can't think straight. Um, and 53 degrees, you know, doesn't sound cold, but if you lie motionless in street clothes for for, for you know several hours at that temperature, you get hypothermia. So um, I I managed to you know I put on my coat and uh, I I put on uh, I just over that I put on a robe I get from the closet, but my body's not radiating any heat for these clothes to catch. 
So, um, so I stagger over to the kitchen and, you know, having, you know, like strong survival instincts, I decide I'm going to boil a pot of water to drink. And, um, so I, you know, I started boiling and then I just put on all the, I put on all the, all the burners and, you know, I hold my robe over it like Batman, but I can't, I can't even feel the heat. And so I decide my only hope is to raise my body temperature through calisthenics. The next thing I know, it's light out, and uh, a pink slippered foot is kicking me in the ribs. Uh, it's Sarah's mom, and she's looking down on me. You know, I'm in her dead mother's robe with my feet under the uh, refrigerator because I'd been doing sit-ups. And, um, and, you know, I look in, you know, through the tropical mist created by the boiled water. Her father, I can see her father um, scraping the burnt calcium deposits over the pot that I'd used. And, but the good news is that unlike when I woke up at 4 a.m., this time I'm not just disoriented. I'm, I'm good to go, which is lucky because her parents are good for me to go. And so um, outside the door, um, you know, Sarah, you know, lets me know that uh, turns out she's not pregnant. And, we'll, you know, we'll talk more at school. And I can see she's really happy. Um, she's free. And more importantly, I'm free. So I get in the car, and I put all the settings just the way I like them. And um, by the time I reach the Indiana border, um, the bright sun has turned my Dodge hatchback into a toasty greenhouse. And the falling temperatures have turned yesterday's sleet into this, uh, like, um, uh, this frosting on all the cornfields. You know, so just outside, it's beautiful and cold. But inside, it feels pretty good. Thank you. That was Steve Zimmer. Now, Steve likes to keep a low profile, so he's a little hard to find on social media. Check out some of his other stories on our YouTube channel at youtube.com slash yumsthewordshow. We've got over three years of stories on there, so if you like what you see, please subscribe. Now, the presidential race is on everybody's mind, so I wanted to see what Auntie thought about the Donald. Oh, Trump? He will not get far with the Republicans. But I'll tell you one thing. I think he's really a jackass. I don't watch almost anything he does. Yeah. I never watched that um, uh, Miss America. Oh, please. I got to look at their tight thighs for <laughs> My friend Harvey used to say I should have watched, watched The Apprentice. Really? You learn a lot about business. <clears throat> what the heck would you learn from The Apprentice? He said you'll learn a lot. I like Shark Tank. Did you ever watch Shark Tank? I love it. I haven't. I've oh, seen like part of an episode. Oh, on no, The Apprentice, no, no. do you know what he says when he lets somebody go on the show? Yeah, you're fired. Yeah, but how would, how would Trump say it? Mm, you're fired. <laughs> he goes like you're fired. You're fired. You're fired. What does he need a clothing line for, Macy? Exactly. What does he need certain mattresses? That makes me nauseous. I wouldn't buy one. Somebody had a picture of, of one of his suits, and it said Donald J. Trump on the inside, and then above it, made in Mexico. Oh, Take that. Put that in your trunk oh. and smoke it. Thanks, Auntie. And now here's someone who I hope never gets fired. She's just that good. In this story, she tries her damnedest to impress a guy. Here's Elna Baker, live at Yum's The Word.
Hello. Uh, so, uh, my biggest high school crush was on this guy named Dan Sabo. And I think crush is the perfect word to describe it because it simultaneously means like really liking someone and being violently squashed. Uh, and so Dan Sabo was, uh, he was sort of cool, like not totally cool. He was the drama club president, so that level of cool. Yeah. And he had that Caesar gelled hair that was in when some of us were young. Yep, yep. And he sang uh, The Time of Our Life in the school talent show which is the time I wanted to have with him of my life. Uh, and in high school, I was a very different person. I, um, I, I was like 100 pounds heavier, which I, you know, compensated for by wearing the brightest possible vintage clothes. <laughs> like, notice this, <laughs> uh, which people noticed. Uh, <laughs> and I think, like, I look at pictures, because it was still me, and I, I thought I was, I thought it came across differently, but then I'll look at high school photos and be like, oh, I was... Mimi from the Drew Carey show. <laughs> That's who I was. Good to know. And in high school, I also, I was very, uh, for some reason, very set on, like, I really wanted to start a trend. I don't know why I had that ambition. But I remember once I wore color bobby pins in a row, four of them. Then I was like, this is gonna catch on. So I, kept, I wore them for, like, four months. It never, never caught on. And the closest I ever came to setting a trend was I, hey, I bought these star-shaped sunglasses at the dollar store, and they came in a pack of four, and I had worn one to school, and Sarah Spadaro, who was the most popular junior girl, was like, oh, I like those. And I was like, I have a set of, I have three extra here. And I gave her one, and then next thing I knew, her friends were asking for them. So I gave two more away, and then someone else asked, so I gave mine away. And during lunch break, I went to the dollar store and bought all the sets of sunglasses. <laughs> and then all the popular kids that day just kept asking me for star-shaped sunglasses. And I remember the last pair I had, someone really cool asked me for, and I was like, damn it. And I gave them away so that the trend was actually popular because I was not included in that trend. <laughs> Um, but Dan Sabo, he was cool, but he he talked to me, and he liked me, and, and, um, part of the way we became friends was he was, uh, the head of the Young Life Committee, and I was Mormon, and so we would talk about religion, and we would get in these really dense conversations about religion, and so we would sit in my car after school, and we would just, like, try to figure out the meaning of life. Like, and we ge genuinely believe, like, today we'll do it. <laughs> today we'll figure that meaning of life out. Uh, and truthfully, like, I, I mean, I had to go to, my parents forced me to go to church and seminary in the morning. The last thing I wanted to do was discuss religion. But I just wanted to be around Dan Sabo. So we would talk about religion and talk about, like, you know, what is God? What is truth? And so this went on for, like, probably nine months. And one day we're sitting in the car and he's talking about how um, God reminds him of like purity. And um, anytime he looks at fresh snow, it makes him believe in God, right? And I'm sitting there and I go, wow, I've never seen snow, which is not true. <laughs> like I've been skiing, <laughs> but you know when you say something and then you can't take it back? Because that would just be like, no, I mean, I have seen snow. <laughs> so Dan is like, what? How, how is that possible? Like, 
We live in Washington State, like Mount Rainier. You can see Mount Rainier from our houses. Um, and, but what I kind of meant to say was, because I had been living in Spain and had moved back that year, so in my mind, I, I, maybe part of me was like, I haven't seen snow in many years. But the tr- I was just lying. I was literally lying. <laughs> and he was like, Elna, the mountains are three hours away. Let's go. Let's drive to the mountain. I want to be there when you see snow for the first time. <laughs> I know. And I, you know, initially I was like, oh, it's, it's okay. <laughs> I don't need, I don't care that much. But, but then I also thought like, no, we sit here every day, but we never go anywhere. And I was like, okay, yes, let's drive to the mountains. Let's see snow for the first time. Uh, So we're driving up to the mountains and like, I mean, the whole way there, I'm in like a state of panic because I'm like, how do you do, how do you see something you've seen many, many times for the first time? Like, I don't even remember how I reacted the first time I saw snow, but now I have to do that. And, you know, of course, when when you start to see snow, like, it's not like, all of a sudden, so we're like driving up, we get closer to the mountain, and you see like patches of snow, so I'm like, ha, 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 ha. <laughs> and he, I remember he threw his sweatshirt over my head, he was like, no, 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 like, wait till it's good, and I, I, I remember sitting there, like, it's funny the things you'll always remember, but I remember being like a black cave of Dan Sabo's sweatshirt, and, and that it smelled like eternity cologne. <laughs> And like breathing it in and thinking like, can you know someone by the way that they smell? And can you be close to them just because you want to? And then we got to the, you know, the place the car went. I heard heard the car go into park. And he was like, are you ready? In my mind, I was like, no, I have no idea what I'm about to do. (laughs) But uh, (laughs) yes, I'm ready. And he took the sweatshirt off. And I mean... I gave a very bad soap opera style. I was like, snow, snow. Oh. And I, like, I remember I touched it and I was like, it's so much like ice. <laughs> and, and then, uh, you know, I was very excited about it. And you know, the funny thing is, I, as bad as the performance I gave, the fact that he thought he was giving me the experience made him believe it. Like he thought it was special because he wanted to think that. And then, like, you know, he makes a snowball and, like, throws it at me. And then I made a snowball and I threw it at him. And I was like, oh, my God, it's like a (laughs) rom-com. And then, like, I start running and he's, like, chasing me and he's, like, throwing snowballs. And in my mind, I'm thinking, like, well, the next thing that happens is, like, we kiss, right? We get to kiss. He's going to kiss me. Like, this is it. This is what I've been investing nine months of my life into believing can happen. And I'm running, and I'm sort of like looking back at him and smiling and imagining this future, which is why I do not see this long tree stump that has fallen over. (laughs) And it catches my foot at like the exact place where it literally, like, I was a heavy girl, but it catapulted me (laughs) into the air. And I rolled, and I hit hard, um, like a big rock. I like hit my head on a rock. And you know when you're hurt, you're like, oh, that was impact, <laughs> like that. And I felt like dizzy, and I, and I just remember I immediately put my hand to my head, and Dan came running over, and he was like laughing, but also like, oh my God, are you okay? And as he's saying this, my hand is around my head, and he's looking at me. He's like never been closer to me. And we're like looking, he's like, are, cares. He's like, are you okay? Is everything okay? 
And as he's saying this, I can feel um, like a warm, like, like I can feel like there's it's blood, there's like a lot of blood. But he, he, you know, like it's still in my hand, so I'm just like pressing my hand as hard. Like I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> Everything is fine. And he, he's like, in, he leans in, and I, you know, I, I genuinely think, he pro- I still think he was going to kiss me, guys. <laughs> but in this moment where I was certain we were going to kiss, I just remember him looking at me with such care and then seeing the panic in his eyes as a stream of blood <laughs> came running down my face. And he was like, oh, my God. And I'd take my hand, and then the second my hand moves, it's just like blood. And he's like, Elna, you, this is like, this is really, and you know, neither of us were prepared. We just come from school. So like, we just had our shirts. We didn't, so he, he, first we tried to like mound snow together to like stop it. And then it was just like wet blood. (laughs) So then he was like, well, let me take my shirt off. And I don't know why I didn't say yes to that, but it was like, I knew it was one of his favorite shirts. So I, instead in this moment, I, um, and I still don't know why I did this. I was like, well... I think it's because I'm a problem solver. But um, I was like, uh, because, you know, there's, see, I'm on my period and I have a pad in my pocket. So I proceeded to take out, open a, like an extra long pad and stick it to my face to collect all the blood. And it worked. There's no more bleeding. It it was super absorbent. Um, but we didn't kiss and I still remember sitting in the car driving back in silence with like a dried bloody t- pad stuck to my face <laughs> like it also my hand was on the sticky side so I could just be like mah, mah, mah. <laughs> and just thinking like well what if after all the conversations we've had this is the meaning of my life thank you <laughs> Elma loves you. That was Elma Baker. And that was my Elmo impression. You can find her on Twitter at Elma Baker, and you can hear her regularly on This American Life on NPR. Now, if you are in New York City, we would love to see you at our next live show where you will get a piece of one of my homemade ice cream cakes. It's Thursday, September 24th at 7.30 at Le Poisson Rouge. Tickets are available at yumstheworldshow.com. Now, you can also watch videos of Auntie on there, and she has got some great facial expressions that you do not want to miss. The stories you just heard were recorded live at Le Poisson Rouge in New York City. The podcast is produced by me, Robin Gelfenbein, and Alex Fulton, who also wrote some of the music. Special thanks to Vince Fairchild, Megan Deneen, Michael Cedar, Danny Artis, Auntie, and of course, Morgan. The theme song is by Mark Radcliffe. Thanks for listening. I'm Robin Gelfenbein, and until next time. Gay cockin' up and yum. Go shit in the ocean. Yum's the word. Gay cockin'. Gay cockin'.